0: Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravali and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com, delivered by DoorDash.
1: Welcome to episode 62 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. Along with Frank Saravali, our show is brought to you by Fantracks. Of course, Fantracks, you can join it. Sign up for your fantasy league. Go to fantracks.com/slash dfo rundown to register and you could win an autographed nathan mckinnon jersey guy who's going to be in the running for the heart most likely again potentially for the art ross pretty dynamic player probably going to be on the first line for team can at the olympics with mcdavid i would assume i hope i want to see him play together i want to see the best players play with the best players so go to fantracks.com. we'll see if you're the best player in fantasy
0: frank how you doing I'm good, Jay. What's going on? We a little hiatus. I missed you for the Mike Rupp episode, and I've been uh, bouncing all around the world.
1: Yeah, I know. I see that you're in Switzerland. uh, One of your buddies' final seasons of pro hockey, so support him. So that's a lot of fun. And actually, it feels like a month since we've actually done a a live pod together. So it's a good little uh, off time. So we got lots to catch up on today on the show. There, I want to start, Frank, with with the big topic. We're going to get to some key RFA's in a second, but. I talked to a few NHL, they're still uncertain on exactly what the guidelines will be for unvaccinated players. And and last I checked, there was between 50 to a hundred, give or take the number of players who weren't vaccinated. Now that of course can change with with every day. Some maybe get it more. We know there was a bump when the NHL announced that uh, unvaccinated players would definitely be limited in where they go on the road and such, but still haven't got a hundred percent confirmation, Frank on, what it's going to mean for travel and more importantly, you know, how many potential games these players might have to miss due to, uh, you know, state, provincial, uh, uh, national uh, travel laws on who can get in and out of countries.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And, and it's obviously all still kind of fluid, not necessarily the COVID protocol for this season. I'm actually looking at the document right here. It's 27 pages and it's very detailed. I think the thing is, they're still waiting on what some of these national and provincial restrictions might be specifically with regards to Canada. I mean, the NHL's protocols as a whole are, are pretty uh, cut and dry in terms of they have with every subject with, you know, whatever it comes to it's, this is what the rules are for fully vaccinated individuals. And this is what the rules are for unvaccinated individuals. And the truth is, it's going to be really difficult for players, you know, and I think by design, it's made difficult for players that are unvaccinated. You know, your testing requirement is daily instead of every once every three days, like it is for fully vaccinated individuals. And, you know, your restrictions on the road are much different. You you can't leave your room. You can't go out to dinner. You can't do all the other things that fully vaccinated individuals can do. Um, You know, you have to wear a face covering and a mask around the rink, like all those things um, are just a lot different. And so I think what that's done is players that have been on the fence heading into the end of the summer as to whether or not they wanted to get vaccinated, uh, it's pushed a number of players sort of over the finish line if they weren't there already. And, And the other part of it, too, is there was probably a lot of players that had COVID at a certain point that said, okay, I had it. And I'm through it. Why do I need to get vaccinated? And I think that's the other part of the conversation that um, that's you know definitely not been talked about, but I think is certainly lingering in players' minds. It's like, look, I I've already been there and done that. I know there's other variants and I could still get it again, but I feel like I'm pretty well protected. Why do I then need to inject a vaccine into me? And so I think there's some frustration on that front. Um, but like I said, the rules are very very clear. Um, you know, in terms of how things look with and without vaccination.
1: Yeah. If, if you look at the numbers though, the, if, if you have COVID that your antibodies only last a certain time, just like why they're, they're starting with boosters now on the vaccine, which is how a lot of vaccine historically have worked anyway. So, um, I think if you get it, they're right, they have some antibody for a short period of time, but it doesn't last. Like it's not, it's not life altering, uh, unfortunately for some people who've had it. So it, to me though, it's, it's really interesting, Frank, because I've heard a few names that are pretty key pieces to some teams. And if all of a sudden those players are, 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 can't go on a five game road trip or three game or four game road trip, that's pretty impactful. And the other thing that I haven't got confirmation on is, so if that happens, are they still on the active 23 man roster? Does that mean their team can only carry 22 eligible players for those games? Or like, th- like those things haven't even been announced.
0: Yeah, and look, I, I haven't had a chance to fully pick through the document, which is, like I said, long and meandering and very detailed. Oh, I read, and I, I almost
1: got through it, Frank. I almost but I'll tell you it takes a few readings because unless you're unless you're like I have respect for lawyers to have to read this stuff all the time.
0: <laughs> or or yeah, or the person that at each club that's the sort of designated uh, COVID person to to yeah. really monitor and, and handle everything. It's there's a lot to it. Um but you know with regards to pay, it's pretty simple. like if you're an unvaccinated player and, and oh, this yeah. is what I was talking about when it remains fluid is there is lots of talk. I don't think there's been a definitive date yet, but I believe the federal government of Canada has said we're instituting a policy where anyone entering our country, regardless of whether they're a citizen or not, you must be vaccinated and it starts at whatever the date is, is it October, whatever 31st, hmm. whatever the date, the number ends up being, that's when things are going to start to get really interesting in terms of the travel, as you mentioned, because if if you can't go on a five game trip and it's a 10 day trip or an 11 day trip, well, with pay, it's really simple. The NHL season is broken down. Generally. I don't know what it is this year. It's generally around 186 days. So if you're, I don't know, throw out a player, uh, Sidney Crosby, and you make $8.7 million, you take eight and I'm, I'm not saying he is or isn't vaccinated. I actually don't know the answer. 8.7 million divided by 186 days that comes out to a certain number. Then you multiply that by 10 or 11 days that you're going to miss. And that's the pay that'll be subtracted, uh, uh, from your paycheck. So it, 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 it not just, and I think what's important here, it's not just about the money that's, that's big, but it's also about leaving your team in a spot where you wouldn't be able to compete, uh, and leaving a hole for someone else to fill and potentially not with help on the roster. So, um, those are all the the sort of facets that that get that get connected to it. Yeah, no, to me,
1: it was more so, I understand all the pay. Like if you're a $5 million player, if you miss 10 days, it's 270 grand, right? Because it's about 27 grand a day is how it works. So you can, you can do that for any other player and, and figure out the number. It's fairly simple, but it's more so to me, like last year we had the taxi squad, right? So I'm just curious if there's going to be some sort of um, do you punish, because you a team can't force someone, you can't pin them down and give them the jab. So does the team automatically get punished if they have a player who can't go? And while he doesn't get paid, I understand that. Does the team then for five games, do they have, do they get the extra spot? Does it count against the cap? I'm just curious what they're going to look at to do for that sort of thing. So it's just a, it's a little wrinkle for me because what if a team has, cause I've some teams have two players, Frank, what
0: all of a sudden, so, yeah, some players. teams have more
1: than that. Yeah. So now you won't have a, a you know, a, an, an extra spare or anything like that on a road trip. So I do wonder if the NHL is, I'm assuming they're looking at, but haven't been able to get confirmation from some of the presidents I've spoke to. So, cause they don't, mm-hmm. they don't know yet. They're, mm-hmm. they're still, that hasn't been finalized from what I understand, because they still don't know a hundred percent as you talked about the Canadian government and cause Canadian government might not be in power. You got a, you got a new election coming, right? True. So that's why it I changed. hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, yeah the idea that's the big change here is because potentially if the liberal government doesn't win the election, which happens before the start of the regular season, well then uh, maybe things are different. And I think that uh, that's something they probably have to wait for.
0: And you can bet that the NHL is, is monitoring that election very closely. Oh, 100%.
1: Now, uh, things that people are monitoring very closely, in certain markets anyway, are RFA signings. There's some unsigned still. Here we are, uh, nine days away from uh, opening day of training camp. And uh, off in Minnesota has been an interesting one. Um, I guess he's not playing in the KHL.
0: He hasn't to this point. And hmm. I know that that was the threat and, you know, something that I reported on earlier uh, this summer. And... Part of that, I believe, is insurance-related. It's You have to protect against future loss uh, of income uh, if you were to get injured. And not only is that policy expensive, but my understanding is it's actually a lot more difficult to get when you play in Russia. Uh, for whatever reason, insurers don't like uh, players playing over there, and it, it becomes you know exponentially more expensive to get. I feel like in some ways that would be the easiest way to get the contract done is – have this guy get ready to play his first game in the KHL and then see how the Minnesota wild react. But, um, they haven't pushed the button on yet and haven't gotten to that point. The Caprizov camp says that that remains a possibility. Um, and I, and I think moving forward, um, you know, this has been really difficult. This situation has, I think at times, uh, gone to some dark places. You know, maybe these talks have gone off the rails and they found a way to get it back on and keep it there. But I think there's still a few lingering issues on the Caprizov front that have prevented it from getting done. I, I think they're relatively close on term. I think both sides kind of agree it's somewhere in that four to five year range. I think they're in the general ballpark of an AAV. Although I guess it depends on which side you talk to Mike Russo put out something a couple weeks back, um, something in the five-year range at $9 million AAV. I, I do think that there's some legs to that. Obviously, if that was it, you know, it could be done or closer to done. And then the other part too, which has been a real big sticking point, I think has been both signing bonus and, um, and also whatever the clauses look like when Kaprizov can have a no trade or a no move. He can't for the first three years. But uh, I think in those last two years, you know, they've been seeking a, a no move or something like that. And, and the Wild are not really willing to budge on that front. Uh, maybe something more like a, a modified no trade. So um, it, it's, it's gone back and forth. I, I, I think as we're chatting on Monday, September 13th, uh, it's probably not in the best spot, but um, there's also not a lot of runway here. It, it, you know, I think I mentioned this before, with a Russian player having to come over to get a visa, the process takes so much longer now. It used to be something that could get done in three to five days. It might be three weeks to get something like that done this time around, given uh, the COVID situation, offices being closed. Uh, it, it's not that easy. So, like we're potentially talking at this point, you know, Monday, September 13th, it not being done that he's not there for the start of training camp in 10 days. And, and obviously he's not going to be there anyway, without a deal being done, you can't just come to the U S uh, without a contract and, a, and a, a way to work. So you can't even get a visa. So it's um, it, it's going to be really interesting to watch this all unfold here as, as we get close to this sort of deadline of training camp starting.
1: So that's one to follow. The, uh, the Kachuk, the, there seems to be more cordial conversations on that front. Um, you know, I see Sean Simpson talking lots about the uh, 8 by 8 uh, number, and that's what they're looking at. Uh, you know, Kachuk's a very interesting player because he's kind of a, a rare breed in the sense that he's got the potential to be a legit power forward, right? He can score goals. He can already is right. You know, he can fight. He's a young player. I'm not sure if he'll ever put up like massive numbers. I could be wrong on that. Right? Like, I don't know if he's a hundred point player or anything. There's not many of those guys, Maybe, maybe not even 90, but with Tim Stutzel coming, I think the chance for Kachuk to be even more offensive is definitely there because when great players play with great players, you have a
0: tendency to have better numbers. It's just simple. So I, and as the team gets better too, I mean, think about matchups and everything else that come into play with the Sens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I look at like Kachuk's one where if you look at his numbers to date, he's yet to score 50 points. Some might say, geez, eight millions, ridiculously high. Uh, I can understand that point of view, but I also understand that I think Ottawa's twofold here. They want another p- player to commit to their organization, right? Uh, Shabbat did it. Batherson did it for six years as well. And if you get Kachuk, at least you kind of have a semblance of who's gonna be your core. Stutzel in a few years, uh, you know, I, w- I would think would be the other main guy that they would add to that. And then like other organizations, they gotta to try to find a young goalie uh, who, who could uh, who could fall into that regard. But like eight by eight, does that seem unrealistic to you, Frank? Or because we've heard that number for so long, ultimately that's what's gonna
0: get done. It actually feels light to me um, because all the reasons that you mentioned, like I, I just also look at his brother too. Like if you look at Matthew's production in his first two years in the league, right, sort of under that 50-point number, another guy that is a is a straw that stirs his team's drink. Brady's actually a little bit bigger um, and is probably a better goal scorer, although well, that remains to be seen. I mean, he's yeah, already he hit from distance better. He he's already hit 20 twice. Uh, 22 and 21 in his first two NHL seasons. And then last year it was a 25 goal pace over a course of a full 82 game season. And so you look at Matthew and you look at his first two years, and obviously we don't have the benefit of Brady having a full NHL season. He, he didn't take quite that next step forward um, that Matthew did in year three, getting to 77 points and 34 goals. And you talk about playing with good players, uh, the impact that he had in Calgary, like, I look at Brady and I say, for all those reasons you mentioned, you know, playing on a team that's getting better, playing with really good players. um, Like I don't see any reason why he can't be that sort of point per game player, 80 plus 85 score, 30, 35 every year. And, and to get a player like that, to commit long-term, if you're sitting on his side, you're saying, well, wait a second. I don't know exactly what the NHL financial landscape looks. We actually have a pretty good idea for the next four years or five years, given this CBA and how it works with paying off uh, the NHL owners and the billion dollar debt that the players have, you know that the cap at most is only going to be going up a million a year this following season. After this one, it's going to be 82.5. If you're lucky, you get to 83.5 the following year. Um, it's not increasing a lot, but what you want to protect against is in the years six, seven, and eight in that deal that you want to make sure that you're being properly paid uh, for what you're bringing to the table. And as someone who's only 21, he'll only be on an eight-year deal 29 when it's expiring. Like you probably and and I think you know some of it's been out there you probably want to be in that $10 million AAV range for the last three to four years of the deal. The question is what did the first four to five years of the deal look like? And then how do you match those two AAVs together? Um, just in, in doing my homework and talking to people around the league, I think it, I think the word you used cordial was very pro like appropriate. I think um, they've, they've had, I think three to four, really solid negotiating sessions with the Sens. I don't really think there's a threat of an offer sheet. Like it's a really difficult one to make, uh, because the Sens have so much cap space and like what you'd have to offer some crazy, crazy long-term deal that would really also probably put your own team in peril to do it. Um, they, like they had a marathon negotiating session in Toronto, um, not that long ago. And I think I think this is one of those ones that's going to get done. I think the question is, if it is long-term and, you know, where does that AAV ultimately end up? My guess is it's somewhere north of
2: eight.
1: Yeah, I I think they're asking then a lot to to hope that you can get a long-term deal and get the maximum close to 10 million at the end, I think is dreaming in Technicolor. Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, um, McKinnon, You, you can't get both. So if, if you want to get the big number in the last four years, then don't sign a long-term deal. The long-term deal is signed to get you guaranteed long-term, in, you know exactly what you get. You get a little bit more comfort. But you do, there's got to be a sacrifice. You can't get the long-term deal when you haven't scored 50 points and get 10 million because you think you might be a $10 million player. I, I can't think of a contract. Well, so that.
0: he did score 50 points last year on a, if you extrapolate yeah, okay. the numbers out.
1: Well, sure, either way. To me, $10 million, 50 points is... is, is Over an
0: 82-game season, it was 53 points. Yeah. But it's also the goals, and it's also how young he is, how bad the team has been while he's been producing it, and what's to come for a guy that continues to grow, continues to get more comfortable, plays with better players. So, like, if you're saying... But I let's say $70 million divided by eight. You can structure the years however you want. That comes out to like eight, seven, five as an average. Yeah. There's a way to get $10 million in the back end of that deal and only be making five, six, seven, whatever the number is to start uh, and ultimately sort of work your way up there. No, I get it. And Ottawa has tons of cap space. But to me, there's never been
1: a Preston for that contract. I can't think of one. Right? Like when, when Nathan McKinnon, who, by the way, had 52 points or 53 is a high and then, uh, or sorry, 60, when he got his six mil, then he went back to 53 for a year. Then he exploded, you know, Pasternak, Marshawn, when those guys all signed their contracts, like if Kachuk really wants to win, because that's to me at the end of the day, if you want your team to be competitive, like you could go the Darnell nurse route. If you want to get your big money, when you think you're actually, you know, putting up numbers to deserve it, then go bridge deals.
0: I mean, I I think ultimately like what you like, and I'm just crunching the numbers as we're talking about it, hadn't really thought about it beforehand. But if you, if you look at like, let's say you were to structure it and you're saying, okay, uh, the first five years of the deal, we're going to give you $40 million for, so that's 8 million million. a year. Okay. And then you look at the last, that leaves three years at 30 million. So 10 million a year for the last three, like, that gets you to that eight, seven, five number. Do you, do you think that's unreasonable? I do honestly, because we don't know for certain how the player, it's all a projection, right? And so that, but the that's player, what, that's what you're, that's what you're saying as the team side. But if you're the player side.
1: Well, of course you're always going to say, no, no, I'm getting like, you're, you're, I think you are coming more at the player. So I'm coming more from the, uh, the, the team side. Like to me, there's, there's not much like. The but team unless, getting,
0: unless you're going to get that number why would you sign long term? Because what you're doing ultimately is just limiting your income.
1: Well, sure, but if you're gonna get 8 mil, Frank, long term, like the 875K at the end of the year, like if I'm doing an investment and I can guarantee that I'm gonna get 64 mil, for sure, instead of 70, I'll be like, well, yeah, I'll take 64 because guess what? I might have to then sign a, a bridge term and I get seven mil or eight mil on my bridge. And what if I all of a sudden don't become the 75 point player? What if in the next two years, I only score 55 points, right? So there, there's still a risk both ways. Like getting 64 schmil is uh, that's a lot of bills. And uh, it
0: is, I, I just think, I don't know. I think you end up leaving money on the table. And I think for the player, I just think it, Otherwise say, okay, we'll sign a two-year deal or whatever it is, we'll sign a three-year deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this, the Svechnikov one has really kind of thrown everyone through a loop because I think almost everyone universally that I've talked to, eight years, 62 million at that 775 AAV has viewed that as a very team-friendly contract.
1: Well, potentially, right? Like I, I think sometimes-
0: But I think that's also potentially like, even Brady Kachuk at 8.75, watching him continue to grow and get better and better, 8.75, I think, could be really team-friendly in three years. The question is, how, how soon do you get to the point where it's team-friendly? And for a team that has so much cap space, actually still needs to spend to get to the floor, this is you lock him up now. You know what your obligation is to Brady Kachuk moving forward all the way through, basically until he's – in some NHL circles, they would say past his prime at 2930. You, you've bought all of the best years of Brady Kachuk. Yeah, yeah no, no doubt. And so what you're doing essentially is you could get him cheaper on the two or three-year deal now. You could get him at, I don't know what the number would be, seven. Yeah. Like look at Matthew's number and whatever that is. But then now then you get to the point where Matthew's going to be next summer or he could actually negotiate now. And it's going to cost you a lot more than that. It's going to be costing you nine, nine and a half. Maybe, who knows where that number ends up. But you could save yourself a lot of heartache later to say, you know, to spend a little bit more now. Potentially, but I just look at, I have,
1: people thought Mitch Marner was a going to be a oh, great friendly team contract. And now two years in, people are like, wow, Mitch Marner's overpaid because to I don't, live up to- Has anyone number,
0: ever said that? Like it's $11 million, look, it's, it's on a
1: different- like, but look at Svechnikov, two years, he's been 61 and 62-point player. And we talk like 7.7, oh, what a steal. What, what What are you expecting him to get? A steal to me is Nathan McKinnon, David Pasternak,
0: Brad, those are these are the, the, that's a different, that was not even in the CBA. That's a different contract. It's different, it's different everything. You can't, like, to talk, to bring the McKinnon, this is, that's what we're saying now is this Svechnikov deal is the McKinnon version or could be the McKinnon version of this CBA. Yeah. That's, and that's the point is like 6.3 at the time. Look at what McKinnon was when he signed it. It was July 8th, 2016. He was coming off of 63, 38 and 52 points, which is exactly where Brady Kachuk is right now when you average it all out. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And we're saying, Oh, look at, look at that number. That, that, that deal is so team friendly. That's six point three. We're talking about a new CBA in a new time when the cap, you know, when we get past this billion dollar debt that the NHL players pay off, the cap's pro. It's going to be a hundred million dollars, or should be. Eh. So it's it's going to be high nineties at the very least. You would it, it has to be in order for the math to make sense for the players to have paid everything off. So. What we're talking about is the same thing. 7.75 for Svechnikov in 2016 is damn, already damn close to the McKinnon number at 20, in 2016, 6.3 to 7.75. You're talking about the same thing.
1: No, no. No, here's a big difference, Frank. Are you, you're assuming that Svechnikov is now going to improve by 30 points. That's why McKinnon became great. Because he was a ninety-plus point player, he was
0: already earned. No, but he was already earning that number. Is the point? He was close to that six-point-three yeah, okay. number. But, but if he only and then he stayed- went and he added forty points yeah, to his total. But, if- but but he didn't in the first year. The first year of his deal, he had fifty-three points again no, and sixteen goals. And you'd say,
1: "Oh, that's disappointing." That's what I'm saying. To me. Nathan McKinnon became a great team friendly deal because he skyrocketed to a level that no one thought. If Svechnikov stays at 60 points, then 7.75 isn't team friendly. It's a fair deal for both parties. And I look at Brady Kachuk and I look at Svechnikov. Svechnikov, But I think Svechnikov is, is, is an
0: easy 80 point player. Why? Uh, Just based on what I've seen and the impact that he's had and Brady Kachuk is Brady, Brady Kachuk is a franchise centerpiece player. Mm. he just is. I I think we're low. He drags that it's, it's, it's not all points. The points are are super important. He's going to score 30 goals. He could score North of that. He could easily be a 40 goal scorer in my opinion. And it's, it's every other piece that Brady Kachuk brings to that team. You look at all the older players on that team. Uh, Brady Kachuk is tight with them. He's tight with the young guys. He's got the, uh, the the personality and all those things and he drags his team emotionally into the fight every single night that's why you pay him because you're saying this deal is going to be a bargain three years from now it might hurt in the beginning but who cares we have so much cap space and we also know we can plan out on a big board our future of what this team is going to look like uh cap wise for all these next number of years because we have achieved cost certainty well,
1: that's why, that's why you do it at 8 million. But to, to suddenly go way higher, to me, I, I don't see the necessity to it. Because I think at times, too often in the NHL, people want to overrate a certain player's importance. Like, to me, team-friendly yeah. deals that, that people mocked at the time, look at, look at Leon Dreisaitl. He's the second-leading scorer in the NHL. He's won a Hart Trophy. He's won an Art Ross. Is Svechnikov and, and Kachuk going to do that? I don't think so. Right. I'd be stunned actually, if either one does it. So there's, there's certain levels of where we, like, I, there's, I don't, like I got, I think you're, I players. don't know.
0: I think, I, I think you're missing the boat that I think these are superstar offensive players.
1: Wow. See, I, I think we throw a superstar. Like if what's dry
0: subtle then. Is he's there a level above superstar? Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, but, but he's a hundred plus point guy. These guys are 60 point, And I like both players. But look at but, where dry subtle
0: was, was when he signed it. Like you're like 77 points. Okay. Yeah, but that's twenty. What was he before then? Kachuk. Twenty-four more points,
1: man. Like you, you can't go like Kachuk. Even, even he had a
0: thirty-seven of... game season where it looked like he couldn't keep up in his rookie Dude, year. he was not. You're talking when he's and he went back. Okay. to junior. that doesn't but count. I, okay, then what did he do the next year? He did exactly what Brady did when he was the same age. Like, why are you saying for him that it's possible, but for Brady it's not? I because don't Brady understand. Was never a hundred point player in junior, Frank that's not always the best predictor
1: well it is a lot of if i'm playing the odds it is right so you can't i just think look at the nhl offense there's not suddenly going to be all these guys scoring all these points it's just unrealistic it doesn't
0: happen in the nhl
1: right like Uh, unfortunately i just uh, i love the debate because
0: i think it's awesome but I, i think you're missing the boat on his impact
1: yeah, I, I and the thing is I like Brady Kachuk. So people are listening and say, no, Apparently I like not. Brady Kachuk. Yeah. But eight million dollars is an unreal deal for Brady Kachuk. I think it's totally it's not a slap in the face. It's not, not no one's it's not saying old. it's a
0: slap in the face, but all I'm saying is they they know at that point that they're leaving money on the table, and then that's just how a wow. deal doesn't get done. But are they? That's the thing. Like we can speculate, but I'm not sold they are.
1: Right? I'm not sold they are. That's all. Like I I'm not sold that Brady Kachuk is gonna be a nine. So you're player.
0: telling me that when Leon Dreisaitl signed his deal, eight years, $68 million. You thought then that he was going to be a 105 or 110-point player? No, but or, I thought he be an, or I, thought, I want to I find thought, the tapes, actually. Or were you sitting back there and one of those people saying, man, this is a massive overpayment? You no, know, you can ask anybody who listened to my show, Frank. People ripped on me
1: because I said, Leon Dreisaitl is going to be an elite offensive player – and he's going to be an over 90 point player because hundred points to think a guy can score hundred points, like dry only one of two players who have even scored 50 goals in the last seven years. Right? So yeah, he got, I didn't expect him to score because if he, if people thought he'd score hundred points, well, then he would've got 11 million. Right? So even the team, even dry can camp, but I just think we're starting to project. All we have to do is go back and look at the last 10 years of how many players score a hundred
0: points. I don't think he's going to be a hundred point player, but I think he's going to be point per game right in that neighborhood, 80, 75, 82, 85 points and 30 plus goals. I I, I think he's there. I really do. And I think at that number, it's not unrealistic if you think that that's the type of production you're going to get and buy for the next eight years.
1: Yeah. Well, if he could get eight mil at eight years, I'd sign it if I was him, because I don't think you're going to, okay. So do you want
0: to, do you want to place a wager?
1: On, on what, what he designed for? Him? Yeah, what?
0: Where, where well, do you Ottawa think
1: Ottawa he... might Ottawa might not stand firm because you're right, Frank. They have tons of cap space, and so teams don't look too long ahead. But just because a player gets more money doesn't mean it like it's a good contract for the player, but it doesn't mean
0: it's going to be a good contract for the team. Mm-hmm. So where? So what's your prediction on? Oh, he probably gets a just. Because I feel like this eight, needs to be a buy or sell question with Tyler. It's like we need no, to like I'll and say put, 8. put 8. money on two five is what he gets because. The talks all being about eight million, so they'll want a little higher. So I'll say eight point two five. Okay, I say I don't know. what what would you call this? Like the price is right. I'll take anything north. Eight point two six and north. And then what do you think his points? What's his best point year? Right now, in the next eight
1: years of that contract, what's the most points he's going to get? Ninety. Okay,
0: I'll say I'll say he gets eighty three. The best year. And yeah. what's what about the number of goals? Because that matters. I think Kachuk could. Well, he's gonna to get to play with Stutzel, and that's gonna be the key. Stutzle's a hell of a player. I really like him a lot. So, um, like, how else do you like? What about these other guys in the Sens, man? Like, they could all like they could have two other guys that are as good as Stutzle. Like Josh Norris is gonna be a stud. I like, like Josh Norris, but Buddy's
1: t- Tim Stutzle's a, a he is really, really good. Like, I, I think I think Stutzel's going to be their offensive key player. Moving forward there.
0: Shane um, Pinto is a
1: good player. Like, they, like they've like they just players. got really good players. They got some potential guys there. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say Brady in the next eight years, he has a, he has, cause see to me doing it once is one thing. Like what's he going to average is probably the better one. And I don't think he averages 80 points in the next eight years at all. And I don't think he averages 35 goals. Okay. It'll be fun to see now mm-hmm. on an opposite one, Hughes and Pedersen. Do you see any way that either one of them can get a long-term deal, considering that the Canucks currently only have 10 mil, a little bit in change in cap space? Is this bridge
0: deal for both? I think it has to be. Um, And I think in some ways for Pedersen, it was probably always trending that way once he had the injury. And, you know... Obviously you get him in that, that rookie year and he just looks like such a magical player. And even the second year, he did basically the same thing again, two sixty-six point seasons. Um, and then has the injury last year and misses 30 games. And obviously COVID all like that year, you just punt on that year, but even the bridge deal is going to be pretty expensive. Um, yeah. Given, given those two years that he had and Then you look at the overall team cap space, ten point six million right now heading into, heading into the season, and then like, dividing ten point six between those two guys, even on bridge deals, is not fun. To do it on long term deals, I just I don't see how it's possible. I really don't.
1: Unless they have a trade that of somebody of
0: significance of like three plus mil, right? That's the only way I can see it. And then I'm saying, who's that person? Like I I I honestly think that the Canucks maybe got themselves into a little bit of trouble. Like the, I think the Connor Garland trade, you know, obviously they were able to ship a bunch of players out the Ekman Larson cap. hit, you know, doesn't help and isn't easy, but their defense has been revamped in a big way. And they, they have some experience there now. Like I love the addition of Connor Garland, uh, South of 5 million. Like, I think he's a guy that scores 25 this year. But I think like where they got themselves into a little bit of trouble is like that Tanner Pearson deal at three two five for three years, like I I think I would have liked to have seen that wait a little bit until after the season. Like just play out the year and see if you can get it done. And like that three two five would be really valuable right now. Like like you said, unless they can trade a player of three million, like that's the kind of guy I'm circling at the moment saying, geez, like um, you know, or, or even like a Travis Hamanick at 3 million, like, could you have gotten another player to contribute what Travis Hamanick does for 750, 900 or a million bucks? Well, the, I know it's easier thing- said than done, but that's the type, those are the two guys I'm looking at saying like, as this team's trying to get to where it wants to get to, it's going to be on the back of Hughes and Pedersen. And if you're squeezing both them now, it's like, it's not really a fun spot to be in.
1: Yeah, just looking at uh, at Puckpedia, actually, it says they've got 10.6, but that's with a 24-man roster. So let's take off a league minimum guy. There's 750. So now they're at 11.3. Plus, they'll be able to... Ferland's going to be on LTIR. So there's another 3.5. So they're actually at 14 million when, we, when it's all said and done, right? So I think that um, that's going to... But how much,
0: like, are, which one of those guys... Okay, so, like, where does Pedersen come in? Like, even on a that's bridge a deal, question. he's got to be... He's got to be north of seven, doesn't he? On a bridge? two sixty-six 66-point seasons. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at, like, okay, so Matthew Kachuk is one of the rare guys that's on a bridge, three years, 21 million. There's the comparison. Okay, so his point totals, he didn't get to there. Coming out of entry level, he had 48, 49, 77, although one of those was a 34-goal season, the last one. 266 versus 48 49 77 like i he's got to be right around that 7 number and then you start to look at Hughes and and what he's done like again totally changed the look and feel of that team 53 points in his first full NHL season and then 41 in a shortened year like i know the goals haven't been there on the back end for Hughes, but still he, he, everything on that power play runs through him. Like, how do you, he's vital to your success. And then, you know, another big thing is, is always, is always ice time. You know, when you're looking at Quinn Hughes and playing 23 a night, like how much does that come in under seven? Probably a little bit under, but can't be by a lot. Can it? Yeah, it's a, like
1: those are interesting ones cuz I was trying to look for a like a bridge deal for a defenseman, right? And now there's there's not a ton of them, right? Like that are big numbers anyway, right? So you know, you look at recent ones, there really hasn't been many top end offensive guys for sure. Well, first of all, there's not many top end offensive defensemen like that right away after two years of their career. That's what makes you so special. Now the, the counter will be that, yes, he puts up some numbers for you, but he was also on the ice and, you know, we're getting crushed in goals for goals against. So how do you balance that out? Right. That's Uh maybe more of a team stat than it is an individual stat, but if you're on the ice for those, they'll definitely look at it in negotiation. So, um, you know, and the other thing, fair or not is they're going to look at hughes and say okay um how many defensemen who are under six feet tall are are legit number one defensemen who can play the big heavy minutes because if you want to get the big numbers toi for defensemen frank it's funny talking to a lot of uh gms and assistant gms and even agents when they negotiate when it comes to defensemen time on ice is a major one that's why i said 23 a night is and so he he does still play a lot but he gets a ton of pp time as he should he's a lead offensive player and i think he'll get better like every young defenseman defensively but you're right it's hard to think of a bridge where either one of them even on cuz
0: almost deal. every team goes long term
1: yeah on a bridge deal they're
0: probably like like Shabbat down. is another guy like he, no, he they went, went long term Right, it, there aren't very many D-men like that that are elite that end up, you know, that are playing those minutes, that type of point production, that type of skill set, that end up going bridge. There just aren't.
1: No, you're So um, I, I do. I, I'm like Pedersen's comments when he said how he, you know, what uh, if we can't win, you know, and I, I, part of me was like, well, yes, but you have to be there when when you're your team's best offensive player. And you're missing a key part of the of the season, my man. It's hard for any team to win like that because you can't protect against that. It's very, there's not that many top six forwards in the NHL that if you lose your best forward, that suddenly, oh, well, we got more guys that you can do it for 15 or 20 games. But, you know, Pedersen's comments i found interesting and I get he's competitive and all that stuff. And that's fine. But A, he's only been there for really three seasons, one, which was a waste. He only, unfortunately for him, only got to play 26 games. Mm-hmm. To me that that kind of said bridge 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 all the way through that because he he kind of wants to to see it now the advantage that vancouver has and maybe not a lot of people talk about i think Thatcher demko is going is the up-and-coming really good young uh, goaltender who can change everything you make mistakes as a as a a hughes on defense guess what now you've got demko and more often than not he's going to save it for you and i think that's going to be the huge thing because tampa bay if you look at how their team was built they have elite forwards Elite mm-hmm. defensemen and elite goaltenders. And most teams, like look at Toronto, all their big money's tied up in one position at forward. And Vancouver can have the defensemen, they can have a few forwards, and they have the goaltender. That could be huge for them moving forward. And I think, you know what, if, if Pettersson, like look what Braden Point signed for as a bridge deal. Right? And, and Braden Point, like,
0: competitive, scores
1: lots yeah, of Yeah, but there's
0: also the no-tax situation there. Sure,
1: a little bit, to a point. But but he also, I think, was in a we-can-win-now right now position, and he got Correct. all his money in a few years anyway. So I think so Elias Better than them, like, if players ultimately want to win, Frank, like, I'm a big believer in this. If you truly want to win, then put your money where your mouth is. Because you mm. can't say, I've got to get the max for me, but we still have to be able to win. Because the salary cap proves that doesn't work.
0: Right. So just to follow up, and I I just looked quickly, some of the other bridge deals that were in place, Zach Wawenski three times five uh, doesn't never still hasn't had a productive season. Like Hughes did points wise. He hasn't broken 50. Uh, Now he's making 9.25. Right. Then Charlie McAvoy was uh, three times 4.9. Mm-hmm. Same thing, not he's not nearly the same level producer. 32 points is his max. Sergachev had a 40 point year. He's 3 times 4.8. Again, also no state tax also plays a factor in that. And then there's sort of like the medium term deals. I, I guess at six years you start to get into that longer term but um Ivan Provorov six times six seven five in Philly so those are sort of you know it's like bridge middle term and Provorov in that six five to six year range and then you have the the guys like Shabbat that ended up at eight times eight that's sort of what the landscape looks like for a guy like Quinn Hughes yeah it's, not easy. Jim
1: betting has got a tough one there because you're right. I'm not sure they have the cap space to get both of them on long-term contracts. And maybe there's one, um, maybe there's none. I kind of get the sense that maybe it'll be like a Kane Taves here uh, that they both get. So they're either both getting long or they're both getting short term. And they'll go from there let's uh let's welcome into the uh, woodjerseys.com studio which you can take to your office or your fan cave yeah, you see that's a wood jersey right behind me from boston frank has the uh, toronto one right in front of him if you're watching uh online they've got all sorts of new teams available at woodjerseys.com check it out uh it's great for your uh, take your fan cave your, to uh, to a whole new level at woodjerseys.com uh, ty how you doing
2: I am doing good, Jason. I'm doing good. I don't have a wood jersey yet, but it's coming. And the design I'm talking to them about, uh, it might blow you guys away. So I'm really hoping it gets done now that I've hyped it up a little bit. Uh, whoa, whoa, on the whoa! You can't, here. you can't! You
0: can't! You got to tell! Like, what? What are you doing here? Oh, yeah, are you getting you'll a see. custom? Are you getting a custom DFO jersey?
2: Maybe. Maybe. Oh. Oh. oh, hey. All right. Let's dig into buyer sell here. Uh, we, we're going to have in total, I think, five more buyer sells until the start of the season. So there's four divisions. I figured let's start now with some division previews here and uh, we'll kick things off with the central. And I'm going to start at the bottom of the central division where I think the Arizona Coyotes will not only come last in this division, but I think there will be a 10 point gap between them and second last. In the division, I think it's going to be a big tank season out in the desert. Jason, you buying or selling?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm buying huge, man. They just got rid of Dvorak. Like, and God love Jacob chikrin but well, you know, they don't have a whole lot of talent left. They'd probably ship out Phil Kessel at some point during the season. Hey, they, they've acquired, they've done what they said they would do. They have their plan. They've got boatloads of picks. The problem is, those picks aren't helping you for how many more years. So I'm not sure what they'll do in the meantime, but I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if, if we have a A Colorado avalanche like 48 to to 56 point season here for Arizona I just don't see a lot of depth through the lineup
0: yeah I was gonna say 10 I'm gonna say if it's not 20 like my head would be sewn to the floor like that's how shocked I would be
2: so you're also buying on the 10 point gap at first. I thought you were going to call me crazy the way no, your eyebrows no, went on. No, I'm like I'm buying.
0: buying. And it's just, I think it's going to be way bigger than 10. Like I think Chicago is improved again. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if Flurry plays, like I'm trying to think who would even be in their vicinity. I think Winnipeg could be one of the best teams in the league. Minnesota gets Caprizov done. They're going to be up there. St. Louis is still going to be competitive. Colorado is really good. I think Dallas could be a playoff team. Like who's in their their neighborhood, it's going to be Nashville. And like, that's it. But I still think Nashville, like, they're not going to be terrible. They're just going to be there. So, um, geez, I, I don't know. I, I, it could be 25. I wouldn't be shocked to see a 25 point gap.
2: I would love to know when the last time a team started the season with two goalies, both their goalies are on league minimum contracts. I don't think that would have ever happened in the cap era.
0: I, I don't think it has, and I'm just trying to think of some other teams that haven't really spent a lot. I think I covered the Flyers one year where they like they had each guy on like a million or one-two somewhere around there, but it wasn't a ton.
2: Let's uh, go from the bottom right up to the top. I think one-two in this division, and actually based on your comments, Frank, I think you'll buy on this one. One-two in the division is going to be Colorado-Winnipeg in some sort of order. you buying or selling?
0: I am... I'm buying but the team i'm wondering about is minnesota like we forget how really? freaking good that team was last year like they it was like the final four days of the season they were still in the president's trophy race and that was in a division with colorado and vegas uh i i will say i will buy and say yes colorado winnipeg one, two but that's my caveat is i'm i'm wondering about minnie as far as, so you're buying that that those two are going to finish ahead of many? What, yeah, I'm, I'm buying saying. that the one, two in that division, whether it's Colorado yeah. or Winnipeg, it's going to be one of those two teams. Or those but you two do, teams but are, you're just
2: giving an team. honorable mention I'm, to Minnesota.
0: Yeah, I'm saying that's the team that makes me think. Okay. Um, I'm
1: going to sell and say the Dallas Stars surprise. I, I think the Dallas Stars, um, they had a lot of key guys. They had COVID, which crushed their team. Tyler Sagan, basically one of their offensive guys out for the entire season. Uh, I think Dallas is going to find a way to squeeze into the top two. I like, I like, I think that division, Frank said it very well. Like, it's going to be highly competitive. And uh, I was just looking up when Colorado had 48 points, they were 31, 31 behind uh, Dallas, who finished uh, sixth that year in that division. So we could have, you know, that many teams in one division with, with 70 nine plus points all battling it out. And I think we could see that again, which is going to make it even harder for Arizona because their division, they're going to play a lot of games there. But I think the Dallas stars, I'll take them in the top two.
2: I asked this question a few weeks ago and Frank, I actually know what your answer is going to be on this one, but Gregor, I'll be interested in your take here. I, I wonder if this Kaprazov thing lingers into the season, if we could see the Minnesota wild take a step back. And I think this division is going to be really, really competitive. I'm going to say the Kaprizov thing lingers and the Wild end up out of the playoffs this season because they get off to a slow start. Jason, are you buying or selling?
1: Man, I, I it was funny because I was looking at Pittsburgh the other day and if they get off to a slow start in that division, it's just the divisions yeah. are tough, some of them. And so, yeah, the, Frank's like... Frank's caveat about the, the visa really is what puts the caprice off thing. Cause if it stretches all of a sudden he's not here on the 13th and then he's not here on the 20th and now he's not our sorry, like the 29th and all of a sudden he misses some games. Now he's a young player and, but even when you play catch up in the NHL, I find it's almost a wasted season. There's been very few players who have held out for, and missed like
0: the first three weeks or month of the year. And were able to have a really good season. Like it's hard. He might to be do the that. exception. Yeah, he might be. Might. But, but be, just, he, he actually, he's been skating the entire summer with CSKA and Moscow. Like he's oh actually, I, know, lot, I, I think he's worked. still training with them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A lot like M- Nylander skated the whole time. And still when he came there was, because he's the last guy who's held out for an extended period of time. Um, Minnesota miss. That division's tight. So you know what? I'll buy. if If, if he's not here to start the season, they miss.
2: Frank, if Kamprasov's not here to start the season, the Wild missed the playoffs by or so? So. So I see. And my, my take on it is I look around that division and Chicago got so much better. St. Louis got a lot better as well. They picked up Buchnevich and Brandon Saad. I think Dallas is going to be healthy and they should be better as well. I just see a bunch of teams that got better. And if their best player's not here to start the year, I just, I can't see Minnesota being better. And I'm, I'm not sure how much they did over the offseason to make themselves better as well on top of that. Um, moving along here to our next question, we're going to dig into a couple of specific players. Gregor, you gave some love to the Dallas Stars. I'm going to go down that path as well. A healthy Tyler Sagan is rejuvenated and comes top 15 in league scoring. This might be a nice tie in for fan tracks as well for those who play fantasy hockey. But uh, Jason Biner Sellings, healthy Sagan, top 15 in scoring,
1: top 15, which which means you're, you're well, nowadays you're definitely uh, an 80 point guy. A lot of the top 10, 15 players are teammates, right? So who's going to be his running mate is now he, cause what did he score in 2020? Like 50 points. I'm going to say, no, he's not top 15. It's been i uh, I'd love to see it, but I don't see it happening.
0: I'm selling and I really, I don't think there's really even much of a chance. Like really? I know that there was, you know, there's just been significant injury concern for a while with him. And I think, with how grueling that process was that he, you know, took to get back. Like, I don't know how long he was on crutches or, you know, it was almost like, like, that's how he didn't walk for a really long time. Um, and I know he's been training and skating for a while, but that was a really significant surgery. He was already sort of, I don't know how much he was dealing with it and impacting him. Um, but hit, you know, his best year, 40 goals, 78 points, you know, 80, 84.
2: Last time he played 82 games, he had 80 points.
0: Yeah. I I don't see it.
2: Uh, going to the last one here, you touched on the Nashville predators a little bit, Frank saying they, they might not be in, you know, that upper half of the division, but between the pipes, I, I love UC Soros. He had a crazy finish to the season as well. I'm going to say UC Soros comes top five in Vesna voting this season by yourself, Frank.
0: I'll buy that. He's really good. And I also think that's an amazing contract. Yeah. When you look at 5 uh, million times four years and then you look at, and I know Igor Shosturkin is a really good player, really good goalie, but he gets four years, same term at 5.66 um, and has only played 47 NHL games. That sorrow deal is super team friendly for a while. Great contract. Um, I am going to sell.
1: I, I think Nashville's, well, I don't see them as a playoff team, and when you're going to have guys like Thatcher Demko, obviously Vasilevsky every year is going to be in the conversation. Hellebuck's going to be in the conversation. Um, you know, then there's going to be some guys in other divisions for sure. I'm going to say no that uh, he does, does he can have a decent year, but I just think that Nashville's overall team success will limit his ability to be top five.
2: There you go. That is buy or sell this week. It is presented to you by DoorDash. First time users of the app can use the promo code rundown DD and it gets you not only 25% off your order, but no delivery fees as well. DoorDash ding dong. I wanted to bring up two. Th-
0: wanted to bring up two things uh, off of that buy or sell that caught my ear. One guy, I also wanted to mention if you're like to place some, uh, some long shot bets and I don't know what the odds are for this trophy specifically, but Darcy Kemper, I would include in the Vezina trophy conversation and Jay, you, you hit on Pittsburgh Uh, Sidney Crosby, obviously going to miss six weeks after undergoing wrist surgery that takes him out probably for the first week to 10 days of the regular season. And why that's going to be interesting in Pittsburgh is we're going to get a glimpse of what the future might look like for the penguins, not having Crosby, not having Malkin Uh, Malkin uh, underwent surgery for his, uh, I believe it was a torn ACL. Uh, and so he's out. Um, I think until late January, early February is my sort of target for Evgeny Malkin. He wants to play, uh, not surprisingly, in the Olympics. So you know, the push to get back for the Olympics means you probably need to play a handful of games before going over to Beijing. So that's you know, sort of the time frame I would circle. Uh, If not a little bit sooner for Malkin getting back.
1: Well, and the key thing, Frank, in the Pittsburgh press release was minimum six weeks, which makes me wonder, like, you know, Sidney Crosby, he maybe more than most other players really understands the nuances of his own body. He's very protective of his own body. He does like people were like, well, why'd they wait till the last minute? Because he wanted to exercise every other option, every surgery that you have, there's the slight chance. Something goes wrong, right? Like there's there's being that's why
0: I never it always cracks me up whenever I see the press release that says underwent successful surgery. How do you know? (laughs) Like seriously, why did teams say that? How about just underwent surgery? You don't know that it was successful, the doctor doesn't know, the player doesn't know, like it may be successful to start and it may fall apart. Like you really have no idea. Um, and you're right, I think it's such an important point uh minimum six weeks like and i'm also by the way not to play a conspiracy theorist i'm not entirely convinced that it was uh an old injury like i don't know if this you know did he hurt at training was there something you know off ice that i don't like i it seems very out of character for sid to wait until now to have surgery okay
1: it's uh it's definitely one to watch for for pittsburgh and you know what's the future going to look like well hate to spoil the party for pens fans all you got to do is go down the list of teams when they lose superstar players you know even late in their careers detroit red wings you know san jose sharks go down the list of teams that were good and eventually like hey you 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 got to rebuild you got to pay the piper unless they could find a way somehow to cause they kind of avoided it a little bit, but they went from Lemieux to Jagger to Crosby, but they still, I, I shouldn't say they avoided it. They had four years of top five picks. So obviously they did yeah. avoid it. Um, they almost lost their franchise kind of yeah, because of it. Uh, pretty much no one can do it. So Penguins fans have had an unbelievable run, like really for ever since the 1990s, like they had four bad years, sure. But for the most part, your team has been one of the best teams in the NHL in, in that time period. And when those two leave, and it might not be for a few years, there's going to be a fallback. It's heck Chicago had a fallback and they still had Kane and Taves because they it, lost Hosa and Seabrook. And it's Golds just a and question
0: of happened. when I, yeah, I of honestly, course. you know, with, with Malkin and with Letang, um, you know, when you look at those two guys and they're entering the final years of their deals, like this could really be, you know, I think we'll have a pretty good idea of how quickly we get to that point based on the way this season plays out by January, you yeah, know, you'll know whether day. it makes sense for Malkin to, to re-sign. You'll know whether it makes sense for Latang to re-sign. And if not, do they just shake their hand and say, thank you for helping deliver three Stanley cups to our city. And, you know, we wish you the best, like, and then how does Sid react to all that? Like this, this season is sort of where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. It'll be fascinating. One. And- they're in a
1: tough division, uh, Philly, Washington, Carolina, the Islanders, the Rangers. Some people are saying don't sleep on the Devils. Well, you know, I'll see it when I believe it, but I think they might be more competitive for sure. Uh, can they be a playoff team? Not sure I'm there yet, but I really like Blackwood. They got some young guys coming. Uh, they brought in Dougie Hamilton. They've definitely improved. There's no question about that. So Pittsburgh, if you don't have Malkin, like you said, Frank, for a long first half of the season, and Crosby, if, if that stretches to two or three weeks, suddenly you find yourself in a hole that I think Unlike most years, it's going to be harder to dig out of in that division, similar to Minnesota potentially in their division, which makes it uh, a lot of fun. Oh, that was good, Frank. We've got uh, uh, Cammy Granato, Hall of Famer, joining us on uh, Friday's pod. So we look uh, forward to that uh, once again. The uh, DFO Rundown presented by Fantrax, its the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fan experience. If you and your buddies want to put together a league, whether it's a keeper league, a redraft league, check it out at tracks Fantrax, that's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com. Frank, we'll talk to you on Friday.
0: Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarevalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com
1: and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash.